0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're
1: through. You'll be set for life. Now, I love verse 30. It says they sent these letters with words of peace and truth. They worded it with peace and truth. Easy words to to read. And the reason that they did this is because they know that the Jews have been terrified and hurt for a very, very long time. By the language of hatred and the language of lies that was in Haman's letter. And so Esther and Mordecai needed to word their letters in a language that expressed hope and love and comfort so that the Jews would quickly receive it. You don't just write up a lawyer sounding letter and say, here you go, you should be fine. Put some compassion in that. And so they wrote with peace and truth. And so it says, uh, their peace and truth, verse 32 says that then they put these words were also put in the book. The book. That means they put it in the royal record of the land that says Purim is here to stay because it was written in the book. Once it goes in the book, you can't get it out of the book. That means this is established. This is now how it is. It's in the book. Esther 10 verse 1. And King Ahasuerus imposed tribute on the land and on the islands of the sea. Now all the acts of his power and his might, and the account of the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second to King Ahasuerus, and was great among the Jews, and well received by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people, and speaking peace to all his countrymen. So, chapter 10, once again, it confirms that it's all written in the book. It's all done. This is now going to be the way it is. It's in the book. You know, and I love it when the good guys come out on top. I love it when the good guys win. (laughs) And under Father God, under the Lord God of Israel, the good guys win. God is full of love and justice. Love and justice. That's how they won. Love for those who were righteous and justice for those who were being wicked. He had to execute judgment on them. Now, if you read Psalm 9, David speaks of how God had mercy on him by executing judgment on his enemies. That's one reason. It wasn't just David was so awesome. God executed judgment on his enemies. So God showed love and judgment, and that's how he protects his people. Now, with enemies, comes warfare. And that's not just back in that day. You have warfare, don't you? I, I know you do. You're breathing, you have warfare. <laughs> With enemies comes warfare. And so again, we're asking now that we read, how were the Jews able to stand against their enemy? Several times we read that the Jews gathered together. They gathered together. They gathered together. Mordecai's decree did not just make their enemies just die. Send the decree and they all die. That's not how it worked. He sent the decree giving them authority, but they had to gather together under that authority. What Mordecai's decree did, it empowered the Jews for victory if they gathered together. Today, there are too many people call themselves Christians, and maybe they are, but they are missing the victory that God has offered them because they won't gather together together. They won't get together. They won't assemble. They're missing the victory they could be having. If you claim to be a believer, then understand that King Jesus has declared victory over the enemy. But if you refuse to gather together with other believers, then you're making yourself an easy target of warfare. Easy target. This congregation, any congregation assembling with believers is like a walled city. You're protected. Hebrews ten twenty four says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Guys, we got to get together. We have to assemble for whatever. Assemble. Get together. Notice the verse does not say consider yourself. Do you see that at the front? Does not say consider yourself. It says consider one another. That means consider that other people are going through trials too. And you need to be there for them. When you refuse to gather together, all you're considering is your own trials, just you. I know I've talked to some people. They're like, "Well, I I don't need to go. My life's pretty good. Things are going great. God's blessing me. I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well. Things are going not so bad for me right now." Well, good for you. Good for you. But have you considered others? They may not be going as well as you are, and they need your encouragement. They need your help. They may not be having as easy a time as you are. They could use your strength. In Acts 2.42, it says the believers were continually, all the time, devoting themselves to prayer and fellowship. That's getting together, gathering together. Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. There's strength in gathering together, and that's how the Jews did this. The decree gave them the authority. The gathering together put the action in the authority, and that's how they won. Now, assembling together, um, it's not just Sunday tradition. A lot of people have made it that, well, Sunday, we got to go. That's not what it is, and it's not a matter of me just trying to get you to show up to make me feel better about seeing more people. It's not that either. The assembly of believers is about your survival against warfare. This is for you. Consider one another. The Jews assembled together. You get off by yourself and you play that Lone Ranger stuff or that that Lone Guy. Everything's okay for me. You're looking to be snapped. The Jews gathered together for their survival. They didn't just sit at home and tell the enemy, Oh, enemy, the king's decree says that I'm okay. Well, that's not how it works. We're here to kill you. That decree did not give them the right to do nothing. It gave them the right to get together and go fight. I'm speaking to the congregation. I'm speaking to anybody who hears my voice. You're not really in the assembly. You need to consider what God's word says that you need to be in an assembly. It's not about, well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. It's not about that. It's about you and how you're going to measure up in warfare. And so the Jews. In unwalled cities, that were worn out and tired from continual warfare, constantly being plundered and stolen from by the enemy. Friend, do you really want to live like that? Do you really enjoy that? As much as you say, I don't need the assembly, you know you've got things in your life that are too big for you that you are tired of. Get in the assembly. This is the equation we see in God's Word. It works. You know, you will not win athletic contests by going to the gym one time. Go to the gym, get in there and stay in there and go back the next day. Keep going, keep going, build up, get stronger, assemble. It takes, it takes a, a continual assembly. Assemble together with fellow believers and so much more as you see the day of the Lord's coming approach. Now, in our fellowship together, we can be like Mordecai, as it said, who was always seeking the good of other people, it said. He was always seeking the good of others. God gives abundantly to people who conduct themselves like this. Psalm 84 and 11, it says, The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Guys, I want that. I want that. I want that from God. But you got to walk uprightly to get it. Well, what's up walking uprightly? you got to do what God says. And we just read, assemble, assemble. You've got to be strong to be able to have this. And the, the strength comes through the Lord and the obedience in assembly. King Ahasuerus, he did not just offer grace and glory, but he asked, what is your further request? I love that. What do you want more? He wanted to give, and he wanted to give abundantly. He wanted to give a lot. Scripture says of God in Ephesians 3.20 of God, it says, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think (laughs) according to the power that works in us. You know, friends, I got to ask the question, do you want to work his power in you? Do you want the Lord's power to work in you? How could you not want that? How, How can you think that striving for plunder Out there in the world, and this is why I'm going to word it, striving for plunder, looking for every opportunity you can find off anybody to get something out of them, how do you think that striving for plunder out there in the world can be remotely better than what God gives? It's not. God gives better than anything you could plunder out there. Nobody could give more than King Ahasuerus could give. Nobody could outgive that king. Friend, you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive him. And we saw this in how the Jews did not just get one day of being saved from their enemies, they got two. They had two days of victory, not just one. Deuteronomy 20 and 4 For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. It says here, he goes with you. If they didn't get assembled together, See what I'm saying? He went with them to fight for them against their enemies to save them. really break this verse down. You can really see how it works. You can't just say, oh, Lord, I have faith and sit at home and do nothing. You've got to be active. You've got to put works with your faith and assemble with the body and get out there and fight it. He goes with you. To fight for you. The Jews celebrated an expression with their thankfulness. That was the best part of the whole story. It was when it was all done. And they they had a nice big party about it. Because they were thankful. Have you ever been so thankful to God for saving you. That you just had to party it out. (laughs) We do that. We get together and have get together sometime. But I mean. Party it out. But you know. Why not join us and Purim. We also do Passover, and I'm glad for those of you who have come with us. Join us. Well, well, Ray, Ray, I'm I'm not Jewish. I'm not I'm not Jewish. That's why it says in Esther 9:27, I want to show you, the Jews established and imposed it upon themselves and their descendants and all who would join them. Oh, that includes me. And all who would join them. Imagine all the Gentiles that heard about this. They watched all this go down with Haman's decree. They saw the Jews win. And to find out that they too get to celebrate with the Jews. That they got to do it too. You know, I was once a bit hesitant when I was early in this. I was hesitant to celebrate Passover. When I went to Passover, I kind of felt like I was invading their party. I felt like, well, it's fine, but it's, it's theirs, it's not really mine. That's kind of, I wrongly felt that way. Until I saw in Numbers chapter 9, where God tells how Gentiles like me can join Passover. that They have permission to get into it. We should be so thankful that we celebrate the salvation of the Lord, and we get to join in Purim. I'm going to do it every year, guys. But I know there's somebody hearing me right now. You're tired. And you're hurt. The enemy has lied to you. The enemy has hated you, has bullied you, and the enemy has plundered from you. He's stolen from you, taken from you. And you feel like you can't do anything about it. You feel like you're just an easy target with no defense. I want you to remember the Jews who lived in unwalled cities. It said they celebrated too because even they got rest. They got rest. Matthew 11:28 Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls If you're tired and worn out you need to come to Jesus But I'm already saved but if you're tired and hurt and worn out Maybe you need to get closer to Jesus. I had a pastor come to me in the middle of a big conference. Hank is my witness. He saw it. People all over the room. This pastor came from all the way across the whole thing and made a beeline right for me and sat down and whispered in my ear. He said, Jesus is trying to get closer to you. Now, in my mind, I'm a pastor. I'm already close to Jesus. He said, closer, closer. You will find rest for your souls. Get closer to Jesus. You can find rest in him. If you take his yoke and learn from me, he says, means, learn from me means you got to stop doing it your way and start learning to do it his way. Stop trying to plunder the world for your gain. That'll only bring you to your end like it did Haman. You know you're not going to get anywhere functioning like that. It just wears you out. It wore Haman clean out, I'm telling you. Switch to Jesus and you will find rest for your soul. Haman's decree caused the Jews to weep. We saw Mordecai bitterly weeping with sackcloth and ashes. He was so he was so lamenting about it. But God turned their sorrow into joy, did he not? John 16 20. Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. Doesn't say might. Says will. That's one of them promises of God right there. Your joy. You're going to have joy from sorrow. And how interesting that they named this joyful celebration to be called Purim. They named the joyful celebration Purim after the name of the lots called the pure that Haman threw to determine what day that the annihilation would come against the Jews. Now, can you just imagine celebrating your salvation by thinking about the device that was used to determine your condemnation? This purer was supposed to kill us. Now we think of it, and that's our celebration. Can you imagine people doing that? Well, guess what? We do. We already do. The cross of Calvary is the device that was intended to determine our condemnation for us. But because of Jesus dying in our place, the tables have turned, and now the cross, the very device that was used, intended for our condemnation, is now our reminder to celebrate our salvation. When I think of the cross, guys, that, that thing is, is, means death. That was execution. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So good. I think of what was supposed to kill me, and now it's my reminder that I'm saved. Haman's gallows were built high, publicly, for everybody to see. To make an example out of anybody who hung on it. Jesus' crucifixion on the cross was public. He was executed up high for everyone to see, and they made an example out of him. Matthew 27 and 38 says, Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. You know, Esther had Haman. And his sons hanged publicly to tell everybody, this is how wickedness is dealt with. That's why they did that. This is how wickedness is dealt away with. Friends, Jesus Christ, he died publicly. God showed the world, this is how wickedness is dealt with. On the cross. And Jesus, you can be saved, because Jesus has already dealt with your condemnation. And when Esther and Mordecai confirmed the matters of Purim, it was written in the book. Remember, they wrote it in the book. Now, if you will confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then the matters of your salvation are confirmed, written in the book. Revelations twenty-one twenty-seven. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's written in the book. means this is it. This is how it is. If you're saved, God confirms your eternal life. Aren't you so glad of that? It's a good comfort to see. I like seeing that. Now, again, I know some of you are hurting, and I know that the world has really beat you up. But I want you to remember how Mordecai and Esther wrote to the Jews with words of peace and truth with words of peace and truth because they wanted hurt people to receive it. You can't just jam something at hurt people. You got to give it to them with peace and truth. God has written your promise of salvation with words of peace and truth because even though he knows you've been hurt, he wants you to receive it. Here's some words of peace and truth. John sixteen thirty three, In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's your words of peace and truth. To you out there with a broken heart, you're hurt. Would you receive those words? Would you receive those? He wrote them for you. He wrote them for you to be saved. I know you're hurt, but our king fights for his people. You can join the legacy of his family that will never be lost or forgotten. Father, we thank you for what you have said to us in Esther 9. We thank you for Purim that we can celebrate the salvation of the Jews. And Lord God, I, the Gentile, I get to join in. And not just the celebration, but I get to be a partaker of the Jews' spiritual things. And I can be saved too. Thank you, Lord, that you did all this work for us. You came to fight against our enemy and you defeated it. So now, Lord, we gather together to survive this world while we wait for our guaranteed eternal life written in the book. But, Father, some people are hurt and they're not ready to receive because they think it's threatening. They view the gospel as a threat, as more pain. Lord, may they understand that you said, that in you they can have peace. There are people looking for peace, and they can't find it. To the person out there, you have not yet given Jesus your life yet. He is your only place that you're going to find peace. This isn't just religion. It's not just Bible thumping, as some people put it. It's the the whole fact of reality. Jesus is where your peace is. And maybe somewhere in yourself, you kind of know that, but you've rejected it. I'm asking you to receive the words of peace and truth that in him, you may have peace. And so if you're desiring this peace, follow with me in prayer. Here's how you get it. I have sinned, Lord God, against you. I have been an enemy. Lord, turn the tables for me. Save me. Save me. I don't even know how to do it. But as I understand your gospel, you did it for me on the cross. I believe in that. I believe the Lord died on the cross for me, and Lord God, you raised him back up. That means death no longer has mastery over him. It no longer has mastery over me either. I give you my life because I want that, God. I want to walk in victory, abundant victory. I want the authority of the king to live in peace and have victory And have rest. Lord, I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being stolen from. I've been living in an unwalled city. Lord, I'm ready to receive a gift. Thank you for giving me a gift. It's new for me. And I receive it. And I'm so thankful for it, Lord God. I will celebrate the salvation you offer me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com This